Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. All right, so we're gonna go. We're gonna get back in the time machine and go old school. So we started the podcast as a. So I started as like a mental toughness and um, setback and adversity podcast. Yeah. And so um, my marketing manager came in and said, "Hey, we need to do a podcast." I said, "Hey, I like you know my I love setback and adversity stories. You know, I a good uh, you know it's about it's that time of year where I watch Hoosiers. You know, I like I love a good comeback story. And um, so we started off just talking about setback and adversity and we got about i don't know 20 episodes in and it and it wasn't hitting our audience like it it was all i was having a blast but we weren't really getting the audience um the guys that we were that were on the show weren't necessarily ever going to buy our product and the guys that were listening were never really going to buy our product and um so we decided hey we're going to focus more on sales but today we're going back in the time machine and we're going to talk about setback and adversity uh, on a special episode uh, here at Decision Point, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you to tell me your story because I know you've had a little set. I did a, I googled, so I know there's some setback and adversity. So I'm gonna have you tell me um, tell me your story. Okay, well, where would you like to start? Just pick a spot. Ah, uh, how about um, my son almost dying? That's where I really I really had some lessons in life. So um, my son Walker was five and I was living in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I was, I was working in pharmaceutical sales and it was just when the economy was really starting to take a deep dive into the great recession. And there I was in my twenties. I, I thought, you know, here I am single mom, poster child, great job. Got my house. I had, I had my entire identity tied to the things of life. Right. And that's the thing is when you tie your identity too much to something, when it's gone, you crash and you burn. And, um, and I mean, there's nothing wrong. Everyone likes a nice house. Everyone likes a nice car, those types of things. But do you own the things or do the things own you? And as, as painful as these lessons were, I'm grateful that I learned them at a, at a young age of my career and that I had an opportunity to, to reevaluate and to step forward, even though I've stepped back a few times. But my son, Walker, came home from school one day and had a bellyache. Didn't think much about it as a parent, you know, you know, taking care of your kid, let him watch TV um, and ended up uh, sicker and sicker and sicker throughout the night and called. I had been in pharma. I called um, all my doctor friends because here's what happened. I had taken a new job and I had to wait 90 days for health insurance to kick in. And I had Cobra health insurance was $968 a month. And, and it was 2000, 2007. Um, and the thing was, is by the time I had a mortgage to pay and car payment and childcare and no child support, I didn't receive any child support for my son's dad, um, college loans, all that stuff, even though I, I had a base salary of 75 grand, like that money didn't go very far. So I was like, I can take a risk. I can go 90 days without health insurance. What's the worst thing that can happen? And you only have 30 days to sign up for Cobra. Day 31 is appendix rupture. Worthless little organ that does nothing in the human body now, but it can kill you. It literally can kill you. And he got septic and he got sick. And we spent nearly three weeks in the hospital and quitting my job while I was in the hospital. Um, Cause they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they're not on my resume, by the way. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the guy who was handling the sales said to me, well, you haven't been here long enough to have FMLA. I said, well, don't pay me. 
I had no family in Michigan. My son's right. father was uninvolved. Did nope. you move up to Michigan for the job? No, that was yeah. another series. Yeah. That was a relationship that took yeah, me okay. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I had no family in Michigan. And so I had to make a choice in that moment between going back to work because he paused. I said, my kid's sick. He, he could die. And because that doctor said to me after he did the first surgery, I'm so sorry. You're going to watch your child get sicker and sicker and sicker. And there's nothing you can do this week. We're going to give him antibiotic, but we got to wait to the abscess forms so we can go in and remove it. And that week was the worst week of my life as a parent. Because when your kid looks at you and says, mom, if I die, will you come to my grave? It is, it is just heart wrenching. And um, I'm, I'm not a super religious person. I was never so grateful for a pastor to be there in the in the hallway at that time when my kid said that. And he's alive and well, but you know that that choice of I can go 90 days without health insurance. What's the worst thing that happen? And it happened. And in a mid instant, I found myself without a job because the guy paused. He said, "Oh, I need, really need to run from the field." And I said, "I really don't need your job." <laughs> and then I said, "Oh my God, I quit my job in like the worst economy." And, uh, but I did what needed to be done, which was be there with my son. And, um, and so basically through that whole series of events, like the first bill I got from the hospital was $68,237 and 58 cents. And, and it was crushing. I, I had a friend of mine say, well, why don't you just, you know, pay him like a hundred dollars a month? I said, for the rest of my life, like what's going to go on here. And I found myself, I had to go through bankruptcy, um, and one in three Americans go through bankruptcy because of medical debt, because the system is just broken. Uh, I found myself in a situation where um, everything I'd ever had was gone in an instant. 401k was gone, had to pay bills. You know, the house ended up being gone. Um, and I moved back in with my mother and shared a bedroom with my son. I felt about that big in life because there I was, you know, coming home to live with mom. And and, and I was very angry for a couple of years because I was in this victim mode, right? Like, oh, nobody should have to file bankruptcy of medical debt and the government this and the system's broken and blah, blah, blah. And then about two years into it, I had this epiphany. What was my part? Oh, I'm the one who didn't pay $968 a month for COBRA. God, the universe, the government, people weren't trying to do it to me. I had an active part in it. And, and so, you know, those series of events led me to a point where, you know, as it related to sales, uh, I have to admit, it really enhanced my ability to be a salesperson because it divorced me from the no. I know I'm not a jerk, right? I, I know that about myself. Uh, I don't know, maybe some people might think I am, but <laughs> I know that I'm not. And and so when I, I built a business after that, unintentionally, I found something on LinkedIn in 2010 and it was network marketing, right? And I, I knew nothing about the industry. I think my exact words were, dude, I don't want to be part of your scam. Uh, but, but what I realized was when I got back into doing something I loved, which was working back in fitness, I took a $45,000 base salary pay cut with no guarantee of bonus. And, um, and I ended up in a position where I had to draw a line in the sand. I wasn't going to ask my dad for money to pay for YMCA after school childcare, $169 a month. It was at Walker school. So if I had to ask enough people to buy my energy drink, I was going to ask enough people to buy my energy drink because it was unacceptable for me to ask dad for money. I shouldn't have had to as a woman in her early thirties. So, um, 
I got into the grind. I, I started to research markets, right? And people who's buying my drinks. And, and, you know, I, I read Simon Sinek's book, you know, start with why. And, and I had to get into my own why really deep. Like, why am I doing this? Because I can make money. There's so many ways to make money. People get so bogged down with the fact that, you know, financial tragedy happens and then they feel like they're never going to come out of it. And, and if you choose to look at it as this is an opportunity for me to make a new choice to, to, you know, figure out how I can be the victor in my life and not the victim, then you go out and you find a way to get it done. And so I, I started a little side hustle of, of making phone calls at night. I had a full-time gig. I was setting up phone calls, getting to know people, ask the right question. I was selling, you know, nutrition, health and wellness products, learn my, learn my marketplace for it. I also learned like who would be buying it. I, I, I got to become a really good observer of people and understand, you know, questions really are the answer. Uh, and, and something that took, you know, it was like pushing my Fiat uphill for a couple of years. You don't see a lot of results. And then you get that critical mass. And then the car just starts coming right downhill. Oh, man, yep. oh, and it's it's like, wow. And and I think that what it comes down to is anything in life, what what people decide have to decide what they want, what's acceptable, what their values are. Um, and and you know, make a decision. Decisions always determine your destination and indecision does the same thing if you don't make a decision that's a decision in itself and and all i wanted when i started my business was i knew that i wanted to be able to make my kid breakfast every single day because after going through that you know you can make more money but you can't get more time and, and so I had this vision statement, you know, I'm so happy and grateful. I have successful advocate business that I can work from home and make Walker breakfast every single day. And I used to say that every single day to myself, um, cause you manifest what you want in your life, good or bad. Like, like I said, going back to the health insurance thing, the, the victimhood I had there, I was part of that manifestation. You get what you accept. I mean, if you take, there's a really good, um, Ed Milet video or uh, are you at my let have, have you ever heard him tell the eddie or the um the uh, the story about the neighbor where he gets in the scrap with the with the with the neighbor boy and his mom's freaking out and his dad you know uh it's oh it's really i'll send you the link after it but basically the the core to the um oh you're gonna laugh it might be one of the funniest it's it's really funny um there's a kind of a catch at the end of it that uh they'll have you laughing but he basically just talks about you get what you accept. And that and that's so true. I mean, if you look at and you can see it everywhere in uh, in your life and around you. But, yeah, we're too it's too easy for us to accept um, what we're, you know, the scraps versus, uh, you know, pushing yourself to accept something different. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I, I look at it. I'm grateful for every bad thing that's ever happened because, you know, I wish, I wish humans were naturally motivated to go through life without pain. Unfortunately, we're kind of programmed to go through life with some pain. And, and pain is a beautiful change agent if you allow it to be. Because the truth is, is back when I had all those things, of, I was you know, tying my, my self-worth and my value to that job. I hated that job. I hated every moment of that job. And yet I was making all the money. And, and I found that 
anytime my values are out of alignment, it doesn't matter how much money I'm making if I'm unhappy. And, and so pain in itself can be a beautiful change agent if you allow it to be. And, and the key is, is not wallowing in it because um, bad stuff is going to happen. There are things outside of your control. And you can plan and plan and plan as best you can, but but sometimes those things happen outside of your control that you don't understand why they're happening when you're in the midst of it. But in the after the end, after you get through it, you're like, oh, that had to happen this way. That had to lead me to this opportunity. Um, especially if you have the self awareness and you're willing to look at growth opportunities. You know, I want to be around people who who. I want to be around like couples who actually like each other, you know, like those right. relationships. Right. <laughs> people right. are like, I'm like, that's the kind of relationship. Right. I want to be around people in business who, who want to think bigger and be innovative and get excited about life because, you know, life is too damn short to be miserable. Yeah. I, well, you, so you said something on one of my favorite quotes. I'm glad, I'm glad we got in the, uh, you know, I love Seb. I mean, I just love, I love adversity. Mm -hmm. I think it's like really easy and this going to, you know, based, I mean, I've had, I've had a lot, but um, when I was in college, my, I was fortunate enough for the first part of my university career to have my, my, uh, my parents pay for me to try to work out uh, what I thought I was going to do with my life. And uh, eventually my dad will call me and say, Hey, all the money's out over, uh, you know, he had a business, uh, his business um, had been successful, but uh, you know, he hit a patch where it wasn't. He said, Hey, look, I'm all out of money. You got to come home. And I remember in that moment deciding that I had an option. I could either get all my stuff and come home and this could be the worst thing that ever happened to me, or it could be the best thing that ever happened to me. And um, I said, Hey, I'm going to stay up here. I'll figure it out. Um, and I figured it out. I went and I got a job. I did a, I had a side job, uh, contracting, uh, being a con like working, working uh, on some rental homes. I bailed hay. I, uh, I worked for, uh, the head of the nursing department at the school that I was at remodeling her house. Um, and so I stitched it, um, I stitched it together and it was one of the best, uh, experiences in my, my life. And I look back on it super fun. And then I have a lot of other stuff that um isn't um that sounds a little hoity because my parents paid for the first three years of my college but i have some other business stories where it wasn't hoity and i had to make decisions on just real life stuff where i had to make decisions on hey this is either going to be the best thing that ever happened to me um or i'm going to be a victim to this i agree 100 uh, uh my my favorite quote and i tell you at every at every turn in the story my my the quote that i've used historically is a quote by John Wooden that says things work out best for the people who make the best of the way things work out. And so anytime I get hit with something, that's always what I, what I think, because life is problems. I think that's where the, that's where the issue becomes is we want to believe there's some easy path in everything, whether it's in work or personal life, like you want the happy path, right? But that's not, that's not life and that's not work and that's not people. And uh, you got to figure out how to, how to come at the problem um, from a way that you can get through, there where you can get through it. Um, so that makes me think of a quote. Napoleon Hill had a quote, uh, you know, somebody was saying, you know, um, show me a life with no problems. And he said, you know, I'll show you a cemetery. None of those people have any problems. <laughs> and, and, no and problems. you know, I think, you know, being a little people, it's one thing to be, to take, 
the right amount of risk, right? Um, and an educated type risk. But there's there's something to be said. And I know one thing I like about my personality that drives some people crazy is I'm willing to jump off a cliff and build the parachute on the way down. And I might crash and burn. Like I, I, uh, I drove, I was 20 and I probably would have failed out of college had I not dropped out of college. And it wasn't that I, I'm not smart and I'm not capable. I wasn't, I had no burning desire. Right? I had no direction in life. And I thought, why waste my money, the little bit of money my parents are putting into to it if I don't know what I want to do? That didn't make any sense to me. So I called my mom on a Wednesday. This is back when they had the old Indianapolis airport. I called my mom on a Wednesday and I said, what are you doing on Saturday? She said, nothing. I said, great. I just dropped out of college and I bought a plane ticket and I'm moving to Hawaii. Um, and because I wasn't, I was like, I'm going to get as far away from Indiana as I can still stay in the U.S. But I went, I mean, I can understand as a parent now why my parents freaked out a little bit. But I went, I had a job within a week. I always believed in my ability to work. I've worked since I was 13 years old. You know, I've driven a forklift. I've worked tables. You know, I'm not afraid of hard work. In fact, I I welcome it and I enjoy it. But, But I knew it would be okay. And so, you know, I think the, some of the beauty comes in taking that risk and saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to jump and I'm going to see what happens. Um, and, and you look back on it it's, and sometimes you're like, yeah, I really crashed a bird there, but how could I have done that different? Cause you don't know what you want until you know what you don't want. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And you gotta be able to try stuff. You gotta be able to try stuff. So, um, so do you think that part of your personality that's willing to roll the dice, is that something you feel like you learned or you feel like that's just kind of innately wound in there? Well, my parents would probably say that part of it is my rebellious nature. (laughs) So I would say part of it is, is in there. Um, but I, I think that self-confidence like anything um, comes by getting the little wins first right and and I go back to like when it comes to work I go back to like when I had my very first first interview at A&W drive-in in Greensburg Indiana and and you know going in and starting to make money and and having those like oh okay if I put in the time if I if I do what I'm supposed to do if I show up and and I'm a good human being, I'm gonna be able to, to make money and, and I'm gonna be able to support myself. And so I, I think that part of my my being willing to jump is is innately in my personality. But I do believe that anybody, if they focus on those those small wins, if they have that that long-term vision, but look at the short-term goals of like, how do I get here? But what do I have to do now to get here? You know, you get stronger along the journey. And, um, and also being willing, I think, you know, people, everyone wants to, to own the good, right? I want to own the good. Like, oh, I did this. Look at me. I'm so awesome. But as, and this is something I've had to learn over as I've gotten older, but being willing to own your mistakes and own where you screwed up and say, okay, now I can do things different. What was my part in this? How did I, how did I play a role in this? Um, why do I want, what do I want to do to make sure things are different? Um, so I don't skin my knees anymore. So I, I think that that's a long answer saying it's, it's both innate and, and I believe everybody has a little bit of that in them. Um, no matter how risk averse you are and, uh, and also being willing to, to just 
to jump and see what happens. Now, how do you feel like this is affected? So let's kind of take some of these things that we've talked about uh, in the last 30 minutes. How do you feel like that's affected you, some of these beliefs as a salesperson? And maybe oh. kind of, kind of, kind of walk through your like real quick. Just kind of walk through your sales career. I know you're at Rev Genius today. Um, I, actually, I'm, I'm no longer with Rev Genius. I started a new gig on the first in cybersecurity. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, that's exciting. We'll talk about that. That's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So, so how do you feel like some of this stuff is bled over to sales? Oh, well, I think that a big part of it has been is learning, having that self-belief in myself, but learning to be an observer of people and understanding how other people show up and, and really learning how to serve other people uh, is, is what it comes down to for me is, is, you know, people, when you, when you have a heart of leadership to serve other people, to help them solve a problem, then the sales process, sales is sales. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of innovation around, around sales, but um, it, it comes down to, to really getting that light to go off in somebody's eyes by asking the right question and go, oh, I do care about this. This is, this is, this is something I need help solving. And, and that all comes down to um, growing in yourself, your own self-awareness, growing in, in the awareness that you're there to serve others that if you serve enough other people, eventually you're really going to get what you want. And, um, and also looking at each time you've gone through a sales cycle and said, especially if something didn't turn out like you wanted to go, Ooh, what did I do different? So for like when I built my own business, you know, the numbers don't lie. And when you start tracking that data and, and you go, Oh gosh, what did I do different in you know February of 2022? versus February 2021, right? And and you can evaluate that and take that time to have critical evaluation and say, this is what I did well. This is where I need to improve. Who do I need to help? Why do they care? Why do I care? So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, a lot of that diving into sales with that, um, that hunger, to really help other people, um, that's that's really comes from and 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 in the belief that you can. I mean, if you're selling something you don't believe in, you're not going to get very far. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> yeah, belief trumps pretty much all the all the. I mean, I don't know. Look, I definitely think that there's certain personalities that are more. Uh, I mean, it's like any, it's like any, it's like any skill or like let's take athletics. Um, to be a professional athlete, you have to have a certain to be at the very top of the profession. You have to have a certain set of uh, innate gifts like your body's got to be like, are there some people that have just inevitably just blown through and not had the physical capabilities? I mean, there's some. But overall, I mean, you have to have like some. you have to have some some gifts. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's some innate um, characteristics that help great sellers be great. But I also think um, that selling is about transferring passion at the root. And if you can transfer that to somebody else, however that looks, um, you know, passion and trust, um, those are the two primary things. And I think it really helps to be curious, um, which I don't know if you can. I mean, you sound curious. Um, 
I don't know if that helps. Um, you know, I don't know that people are born with that or not. I know that I'm a naturally curious person. Um, I also grew up in a family where I think it was really the uh, curiosity was kind of stoked. Yeah. Some of that was my dad was a marriage and family therapist. And he, if you listen to, um, you're probably familiar with um, uh, a lot of stuff that Josh Braun teaches Yep. Um, with Chris Voss, mm-hmm. my, all the labeling. I mean, I, I get like, uh, I call it Sandler sales funnel, like reflex. Like if I get in a funnel, my hands prop up, my legs prop up. I start fighting it because I know what's happening. Yeah. Um, but we, we, I grew up in a family where at the time it was really annoying that my dad would like question us and he taught us active listening. And I always joked that um, my temperament is like highly dominant. So I, I always call myself an aggressive listener uh, instead of an active listener, you know, like it, it was more of a form of like two people talk at the same time. I like uh, that, that's how I feel. That's how I feel heard. It's like, if, if you're not talking over the top of me, we're not actually communicating. Um, so, but I learned these things. And so I, I definitely think you could stoke some of these natural tendencies to sell. Um, but some of it's innate. I mean, you know, I think I think it's um, a lot of people are pa- just in a sales perspective. There's a lot of passive people. I, I don't it's hard. Uh, you could definitely take somebody who's got a really dominant personality and get them to be a sheep. It's a whole yeah. lot harder to take somebody who's very timid and get them to be more aggressive. Um, yeah. It's it, it doesn't feel the same. Um, and I totally agree with that. And I think that, you know, like I, I am. I, I can be, I have a very gregarious personality, right? Yeah, I, bet, I, I bet you could be a lot. <laughs> I can be a lot. <laughs> and, and I know that about myself. I'm very, I'm very direct when it comes to having a sales conversation. Um, I want, and even with myself, when somebody approaches me, like I'm sure like you've been pitch slapped a million times on LinkedIn, right? I get it all the time. And, and you know, I look at it, uh, on one hand, I'm like, well, kudos for you for coming right at me, but yeah, you, have yeah. no, you have no idea what I need, what I want. You have no right. question, nothing. And, and, and being curious, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, like I think about it this way. I think sometimes the sales, when somebody comes at me, it can be like a bad date um, when all they want to do is talk about themselves. Right. And you're just sitting there and you're like, you haven't asked me anything. You haven't you haven't gotten into what I like, what I'm passionate about, what do I need, and and I've sat through a couple hellacious demos in my life where that salesperson is just talking at me, and I am zoned out. I mean, and you can see it. You can you can see it, and you can if you're on the phone, you can hear it in the tone of their voice when it is like glazed over, not engaged, don't really care. Like one time when I had my own business. Uh, you know, there was a business opportunity tied to it, right? So I had this guy who was part of my team, was, was never a huge, huge producer, but, you know, he, he had some hustle and he was trying to make it work and he liked the, the little bit of money I had coming on the side. And he had a guy, he worked at, at uh, Old Dominion, if you're familiar with that in Indianapolis. So he had a guy who was working third shift. Um, and, and honestly, he didn't want to be on that call talking about vitamins. He could have cared less. He was just doing his buddy a solid. That's what he was doing. So we were talking and I, I, I asked the same question, you know, family, occupation, recreation message. I'm trying to figure out what it is that this person wants. Right. And I could tell by the tone of his voice, seven in the morning, he really had no desire to be on that call until we started talking about money. And I said, oh, your ears have perked up now. You don't care about vitamins, but you like money, don't you? Like you? Money. 
And he was like, well, yeah, because he was working third shift. I worked third shift. I've driven a forklift in my life. I know what hard work is like that. And, and, you know, he was wanting something more. So if, if getting something more in his life means he taps into something like selling some vitamins, well, then that, that gets him on his path, but you have to be able to help somebody sometimes figure out what they want. And that comes from being curious and asking the right questions. Um, no, that's, that's, that's great. Do you, okay. So you had a couple, you had a couple questions. I want to go, or a couple of key, keyword buzzwords for me. I want to go back. So you, you said hard work and you said the word grind. So when you think about hard work and you think about the word grind, those are, those are actually probably like, you know, uh, not, I mean, I feel like those words are under attack. So I'd love to hear that. Um, I'd love to hear your opinion on like, when you think about hard work, how's it fit into the equation? When you think about the word grind, you threw it out there as if it was second nature. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I so Talk to me about those words. Okay, I think you're right. Those words are under attack, and I blame the the memes that are thrown out there on social media. Like, you know, like okay, girl boss. Okay, I'm all for women's empowerment. Don't get me wrong, but you know, hustle culture, all this stuff, right? And and it's real easy to throw a meme up there. Um, but what was it, Edison, that said, you know, hard work looks like a pair of overalls or something, oh, you know, right? And and that's the thing is that. I think those words become under attack because it's real easy to be an influencer and throw something out there and then not be able to back it up. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, like I was talking about this with my new boss and, you know, he's, he's an amazing salesperson. We're going to build something great. Um, but there's a lot of talk without walking the walk and, and hustle and grind, you know, I am money motivated. I'm money motivated because underneath that motivation is that I don't want to have to rely on anybody else to take care of me. And, and so, you know, am I willing to do the tough things? And that's the thing people have to ask. Like when people are like, Oh, there's no jobs out there. Well, what a crock of crap. There are tons of jobs and you might do something that you don't like to do in the moment, but it's going to lead you to the next thing. And, and then you're going to have that opportunity but you have to be willing sometimes to do the things that you don't like to get what you want. Well, and- we're all under the belief that we're supposed to love what we do, but that, <laughs> I don't think that's the, I think that's a misnomer. I mean, that's um, look, it definitely helps. If you love something, you're, it's not going to feel like a grind, but you got to take out the trap. I mean, you got to do stuff before you get to where you want to go. The things don't come. Well, know, there's a lot of entitlement. I would agree there's entitlement, you know, on people who have money, people who don't have money, there's entitlement all over the place. And for me, like I would have people approach me when I had my business and say, wow, you just must love vitamins. I'm like, no, I love freedom of choice of what do I want to do? I, I could care actually less about vitamins, but these little vitamins allow me to live the life that I want to be able to work from home, to see my kid every day. Cause I'm never going to get my kid's fifth birthday back because I couldn't look at my boss and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be at national sales convention. My kid's turning five. They would have said, you know what? You're replaceable. And, and that's the thing is that sometimes you do the things you don't want to do to, to, to get what you want. And sometimes a job is just a job. Like I, I love, I love listening to great, entrepreneurs who did things that they didn't like, like, like uh, the guy on Shark Tank, Damon. Um, oh, Damon Jones. Oh, yeah. Having, the, renting out his house 
sleeping in his closet, working at Red Lobster while he's getting his side hustle up. Do you think he likes sleeping on the floor of his closet? Probably not. No. But look at where he's at now. And, and I think one thing that I'm really grateful for was, you know, you mentioned bailing hay. I think instilling hard work, and things don't have to be hard your whole life, but being willing to do something that is uncommon, which is hard work these days. A lot of people want it handed to them. Well, I'm sorry. Like, I remember my son looking at me in high school saying, well, that's not fair. And I said, whoever told you life was fair, son? Life is not fair. You are not guaranteed an easy life. But life can be whatever you make it make it out to be as long as you're willing up, willing to show up and do whatever needs to be done. So, I mean, maybe it's just I was raised by baby boomers and people from the Great Depression. Oh, you're, def you're definitely raised by baby boomers and people from the Great Depression.